I'm Richard van den Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 250. Can you believe oh, it? Oh, my word. <laughs> a quarter, what do you call it? A quarter of a millennium. Quarter of a, yeah, a quarter of a, a quarter of a million, yeah, yeah, you're right. And obviously we're starting the week 3 February 2019. Talk Central is brought to you by techcentral.co.za. You can WhatsApp the on, show, 71 On Talk Central this week, the Vodacom versus Makate soap opera. Oh, what a soap opera it's turning out to be. Also on the show, Apple flexes its muscles with Facebook and Google. Spotify is reportedly buying a podcasting company. And hacker groups may have stolen a billion dollars in cryptocurrency. Yeah, that's an interesting one. It's Sunday afternoon. We're live streaming at live.techcentral.co.za. And it's time to talk everything tech. Welcome to the show, episode 250. How's it, Richard? How's it, Duncan? Wow, I can't it's believe it. quite a milestone, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's a big one. We should have uh, been toting some beers instead of drinking coffee. <laughs> and I'm drinking sparkling water. What's wrong with us? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bad planning. Of the times, really yeah. bad planning. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, we're starting the live show slightly late today. My fault. I, um, I also have a bone to pick with a certain Mr. Joe Rogan. Um, I'm sure you know who he is, Rechat. Yeah, oh, yeah very, very well. Very big U.S. podcaster, um, famous for having Elon Musk smoking weed on his show a couple of months ago. Um, I was uh, I went for a trail run this morning, and um, I was out at Kingscliff, and uh, I was thoroughly enjoying an interview he did in his latest show with um, Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter. Oh, yeah. Very, very interesting discussion. So interesting, in fact, that um, I wasn't really paying attention to where I was running. (laughs) (laughs) And over a particularly rocky section at Kingscliff, I uh, was so intently listening to Joe Rogan and and Jack Dorsey talking about Facebook, uh, of all things, uh, that I (laughs) wasn't paying attention, tripped over a rock and had a very spectacular fall, um, tore up with my leg and my arm and Put a, put a rock in my hand. It was all very unpleasant. Um, <laughs> Are you alright though? Can you can you can you walk? Well, I'm I'm all I'm all savlon and plastered up now, so I'm hobbling around. Um, but uh, yeah, if anyone tells you trail running isn't dangerous, they're lying to you. Um, but uh, yeah, listening to yeah. some fascinating podcasts while trail running maybe not may not be the best. <laughs> <laughs> was this a fun run or actual race? No, it was just a fun run. I um, was running and oh, doing okay. a solo run by myself, fifteen um, k loop uh, out at Kingscliff, which is near Krugersdorp. Um, amazing place, by the way. For anyone listens to the show who is interested in mountain biking and trail running, um, there's hardly ever anyone there. It's the most amazing oh, place. Really? You, it's just it's kind of on the way out to the cradle, just not far past Cradlestone Mall on the left-hand side, and um, it looks very nondescript when you park your car on the side of the road there. There's a guy there who sits there and looks after your car. And then you, you run in, and it takes about 5Ks before you get into Kingscliff itself. But once you're out there, it's so beautiful. Waterfalls, rivers, um, wow. and it's looking particularly spectacular at the moment after all the good rains we've had here in Gauteng. Um But if you're, if you're into trail running or, or mountain biking, it may, may be a bit uh, too... Um, it may be a bit too rocky for mountain bikers. I think you might end up with a few punctures if you try and mountain bike some of the mm. sections. Um, but it's fantastic for trail running, really tough, uh, lots of elevation gain, uh, lots of single track. 
And um, as I can testify, you have to look where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> Not Joe Rogan podcast approved. <laughs> no. So damn you, Joe Rogan. <laughs> Your podcast was too interesting. <laughs> well, at least it provided some, uh, some uh, light-hearted fun for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Did you have a GoPro on you or anything? No, sadly not. Um, it would have made quite spectacular footage, actually. <laughs> That's uh, the kind of thing that goes viral, Duncan. And you should exactly. Know. Yeah, well, I don't know about face planting, but maybe if a giraffe <laughs> leapt out off on the path in front of me, <laughs> knocked me over or something. Any uh, face planting video will do well, I promise yeah. you. But um, face planting, I'm afraid, is part of trail running. So uh, everyone does it from time to time, but it's never, <laughs> never pleasant, especially when you're landing on rocks. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I didn't lose an eye, and um, I, I, uh, I don't think I've cracked any bones. So I live to, to, to uh, continue with my stupidity for another day. Yeah, as long as your fingers are fine to type, right? Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. So, episode 250. Wow, this is quite a milestone. Mm. We, should have, we should have done this one in person, actually, thinking about it. Um, yeah, we should have, but it, came, it, it happened quite quickly, I think. Yeah, kind of snuck in at the beginning of the year. Um, mm. We're gonna, definitely going to have to do something for episode 300, which I think we'll get to around this time next, next year, early January probably, mm. uh, if we do one every week, which we seem to do. Um, yeah. So, yeah, episode 250, let's, let's, let's get cracking on it. Um, before we get into the news, though, let's do our quiz. The first question, how much did Vodacom offer Nkosana Makate according to his former litigation funder? MTN this week chopped out of bundle ad hoc data prices to what per megabyte? Third question, which state-owned company failed to pay its employees on time this week, blaming a bank glitch for the problem? And allegations of misconduct at ESCOM which emerged this week and which were later refuted caused the shares of which JSE-listed technology company to tumble? And the final question, Apple this week said it would cut the price of iPhones in some markets outside of the U.S. Why did it say it was doing this? And that's our quiz. We'll get to the answers at the end of the show as always, but let's, let's dive in. And there was one story that dominated headlines this week, and that's the Vodacom versus Nkosana Makate matter. Uh, this is mm. the chap who the court founded invented the Please Call Me service for Vodacom, although there's a lot of uh, people who dispute that, uh, amongst them Mr. Ari Khan, who says he invented it for, for MTN and, in fact, patented it before, uh, before Vodacom could. Uh, so... Lots of angles to the story, but uh, there was <laughs> yeah. um, a protest by something called the, uh, an organization called the Please Call Me Movement, which happened at Vodacom's head office this week. And I went along to that. I think it was on Thursday, if I recall correctly. Um, so I went along and I, I phoned Vodacom beforehand and uh, got uh, permission to go onto the campus. The campus was closed. Um, uh, but I arrived there. Burley security officer waved me through a uh, back entrance, a staff entrance. Uh, got onto the campus and I've never seen Vodacom so quiet. It was like a ghost town. It was really bizarre on a weekday. Uh, there were a few cars here and there, but uh, very few employees to be seen. Most of the parking, you know, we find difficult to find parking at Vodacom World. Um, all, those, all that parking mm, was empty. Mm. There was no one around. Yeah, uh, ghost town. Everyone had stayed at home. Um, employees encouraged, encouraged to stay away because they were expecting trouble. As it turns out, a, a group of, I would estimate, no more than 100, 120 people were gathered at the main gate at Vodacom. Um, they were met there, um, or they were facing a, um, a riot, the riot police, Gauteng Public Order Policing, I think they're called. These guys were in helmets with um, uh, heavy-duty um, automatic rifles. 
uh, <laughs> <laughs> they weren't ready for in any um, sort of war, war zone. Uh, so apparently there were two buses that came in. I, I got there after the buses dropped them off. There was a, and so a few people arrived by car as well. All very peaceful. Um, a couple of placards, uh, people holding up quite clearly well organized uh, placards, placards saying pay Pancate 70 billion rand. Um, another one saying JS, um, Vodacom is lying to investors in the JSE. Um, one was calling Vodacom racist. Um, and uh, quite a few people, were, when I was there, I was doing an interview on ENCA, live, live crossing to ENCA. Um, and while we were doing it, uh, to my left, um, just under, under a tree and literally meters from all these riot police, were a group of protesters um, uh, smoking weed. <laughs> and the smell was drifting across the crowds. And <laughs> was a protest that boring? <laughs> you, you, you know, you know, marijuana is basically legal now when um, protesters can light up in front of riot police. <laughs> um, oh my word, that's funny! It's hilarious, um, but very peaceful. And by the time I left, they seemed to be, um, you know, there's a little bit of toy toying going on mm. and uh, that sort of thing. A couple of people in ANC t-shirts, a couple of people in SACP t-shirts. Um, a couple of people in clearly um, printed um, uh, Makate, pay Makate t-shirts, but very peaceful and uh, not much going on there. So um, I think Vodacom could probably have got away with just opening its office and just closing its main gate and letting the staff can continue working. It must have had a big impact on their productivity, even in this day and age of, um, mm. of, of remote working and that sort of thing. And I'm sure Vodacom is, employees are quite good at remote working, but still, it must have had an impact on productivity. But I'm quite surprised it's bow down like this it just seems like i don't know why they've it's seemingly they've just kind of given in to some of these things like just let them have the upper hand i don't know if it's a move on their part on whose part, mean, on, Vodacom been, part. on Vodacom's part mm -hmm. i mean they should have just had offices open i mean surely you can't let protesters intimidate you that much to close because yeah like you said it must have cost a few rand to, keep, yeah. to have those offices closed you know the repercussions of that i suppose it is their responsibility to keep their their staff uh, safe um, and there, we have had incidents with the EFF trashing uh, Vodacom stores um, a few months ago and mm. some people getting um, assaulted in, in, in some of those stores. I think in, there was one in, in, in Limpopo in, in particular where there was some violence. So I'm sure they, that was fresh in, fresh in the mind of the Vodacom management team and they didn't want a repeat of any violent situations at their head office. Sure, sure. So maybe it was, you know, maybe they did go over a bit overboard in terms of their um, telling all staff to stay away, but at the same time, um, there, there's sort of a precedence for this, and they, they, you know, you don't want to put your employees in harm's way. At the end of the day, this, the, the protest was very small, a um, bit of a damp squib, I'd say. Mm. Um, uh, but the, the background to all of this is, of course, um, you know, without rehashing everything, it's a very long story, but the background <laughs> to this is that, um, you know, Makate um, said he came up with this please call me, call me idea, which is this basically send a message and someone calls you back. Um, about 18 years ago, uh, he then demanded compensation for it. Um, Vodacom said no, went through the court system. All the way to the Constitutional Court. I think the lower courts all found that he didn't deserve compensation. But the Constitutional Court, um, to the surprise of some, I think, found that he had invented the Please Call Me service uh, and uh, that he deserved compensation. And they then said that both parties, Vodacom and Makate, needed to enter into good faith negotiations uh, to resolve the issue um, and come up with a, a reasonable uh, compensation. 
uh, failing which uh, there would be a deadlock breaking mechanism uh, where the CEO of Vodacom would be the deadlock breaker, which is, I think, some surprise some people as well. Mm. Um, he's not necessarily independent and certainly not independent. Um, and uh, so that's Shamil Jasub currently. So he was given the task of being the deadlock breaker and he made an offer um, earlier this month, I think it was, to or last month, January, uh, to Makate. Um, neither side disclosed the amount um, because of confidentiality clauses. Uh, but Chris Guman, uh, who was who emerged this week, did a radio interview uh, with 702. Um, he was the one of the litigation funders for Makate, and and he uh, claimed that Vodacom paid or offered uh, Makate 49 million rand, um, which I've heard is ballpark the correct figure. Um, but Makati rejected it. Um, I don't know. 49 million rand sounds like a heck of a lot of money to me. <laughs> sounds like a lot of money. Unless your lawyer's bill is 55 million. Exactly. <laughs> then it might be a problem. Exactly. And and perhaps you've offered money to people. Um, uh, perhaps you've mm. uh, made promises to certain people. Perhaps you've gone into debt on the expectation of a big payout. And I don't know if any, any of these things are true. It's just a conjecture on my part. Mm. But mm. there's no doubt that he, he owes a lot of money to... Uh, to his lawyers, including Chris Guman. So I think Mr. Makate has got himself in a bit of a predicament um, because I can't, I don't see this, I can't see this going anywhere because the Constitutional Court has ruled on it. Mm. Um, does he go back to the Constitutional Court? Are they going to listen to him? I don't know. Uh, does he go back to the High Court and start this whole process again? Does he, does he really have the money to do that? Um, mm. Yeah, I think he's backed into a corner. Rightly or wrongly. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm surprised the the whole um, patent issue hasn't really been explored more. That would seem to make an open and clash shut case. It's, I'm not 100 percent sure about that. I think I think the 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 facts around that would have to be to be brought out in court. But certainly, at face value and and looking at the documents and looking at the paper trail, it certainly appears that MTN um, has a claim to make that they were the people who came up with the idea first because they were the first to patent it. Mm. But then the other confusing trail of, of, of events was um, who at Vodacom claimed that they invented it um, after this dispute started? Eleanor Craig. Yes. And then later on, Vodacom came out to say that, no, 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 actually, M well, recently Vodacom came out to say that, no, no, MTN actually invented it. Yes. <laughs> what a mess. What a mess. <laughs> so yeah, opera indeed. <laughs> Alan Not Craig uh, didn't exactly cover himself in glory in this whole thing. He was also he also mm. testified in court. I forget which court it was, but um yeah, I'm, I must look back. I've got a copy of his his book, um Second is is nothing or whatever it was called, or First is everything. I think it's called Second is nothing. Um uh where I, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but he he did claim that he came up with the idea. He was standing on the balcony and watching a security guard trying to get hold of another security guard or something, and then he said the idea came mm. to me, which has subsequently been transpired as it was complete nonsense. And he he um, he basically fabricated that in his book. We should also not, I guess, I mean, this is not talking kind of more broadly about stuff like this. But, you know, it, it's plausible that a few people can come up with the same idea around the same time yeah. as this technology became prevalent in South Africa. Yes. A lot of people could have been looking at somebody or had the the need. I mean, I remember when uh, uh, my one of my parents had a cell phone through work and we used to take it when we went out somewhere just for the safety of it or whatever. Yeah. And we would give them a missed call because charges were quite high back then. So yeah. we would give them a missed call on the landline or whatever, 
and they would know to come and pick us up. I mean, you know, so so the idea of doing that type of thing, I think, was floating around. Um, it mm. must have been. A few engineers in a few places. comes down to who's doing the actual paperwork for it first, I guess. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to see the MTN, the MTN patent stuff challenged in court. Um, because, they, they, I mean, it, it's easy to just kind of say, well, the MTN patented this first, therefore it's theirs, it's their invention. Mm-hmm. But I think we'd have to look at the timelines. When did MTN come up with this service? When did it launch it? When did it file for the patent? When did Vodacom launch? Um, and, and interrogate all that. And you'd need a judge to look at it and, and make a finding. Um, because uh, there's a lot of complexity there, but but it's it's fascinating that um, mm. that, that the it does appear to me at face value anyway that that Makate and Ari Khan from MTN came up with this idea independently of each other around the same time. I also there was some talk that the, the two ideas weren't the same. Yeah. So Makate's idea. Was slightly different or completely different to to what it's actually a please call me today or what that service actually is today. I haven't looked at that. Which in, further confused me. Yeah, that has confused thing. me as well. I, I haven't looked at that in detail, but I think they used different bearers or something, different technologies. I think one, there was SMS and one was USD, SSD, or some other technology. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, they did the base. I think they did the same basic thing at the end of the day, which was to connect people who don't have airtime. So maybe the claim is around the broader idea of yeah, mm. getting somebody to phone you when you don't have airtime. So it's kind of like a, a yeah, a knock knock that you send to somebody. Yeah. Hmm. And I asked MTN this week um, why they didn't enforce their patent. Now they they actually sent a letter or several letters to MT, to Vodacom back in the early two thousands when Vodacom launched. Please call me saying sorry guys, this is our patent and you may not use it. Um, Vodacom, I believe, pushed back quite hard and. There was some threat of legal action happening, and then MTN didn't pursue it. Now, they said this week, and I'm paraphrasing here, they said that um, the industry was very young in those days. It was growing very rapidly, and they were focusing on getting as many customers on board as possible. They also kind of hinted that they didn't want to really be seen to be litigating in a space where um, a service has been launched that actually helps poor customers, Mm. um, because this was really to help people who don't have airtime, who can't Mm. afford airtime. Uh, so they said that on that basis, they just, they decided not to pursue legal action against Vodacom, even though they initially wrote, I believe they wrote some letters to Vodacom saying, please stop. Um, there was a lot of pushback behind the scenes. I'm, I'm getting, getting the impression, um, that there was a lot of, uh, tension behind the scenes, uh, with the details of which I don't think have come out yet. Mm. Uh, but MTN later left, left, let that patent, um, lapse. They didn't uh, renew it. it. It fell away. Um. And I, th- I believe that was a deliberate decision. Yeah, this thing dragged on far too long. Yeah. It's like that TV. It's like Lost, the TV series. It's <laughs> yes. Five seasons too long. Yeah. Seven <laughs> seasons too long. The first two seasons are Lost were fantastic, and then lost the plot. Yeah, yeah literally. And I think lost this case, I, and I don't, and, and I think this is it's what shows you when. I would probably wager a bit to say that this is what happens when the legal stuff takes over mm. from the core of what the issue, and it just spirals out of control from there. Yeah. It also shows how slow mm. our court system is, that it drags mm. on this long. Um, and how expensive it is. I mean, if it's more than 50 million, which I've heard a few rumors that it is. Yeah, to go through every um, single court all the way to the concord, that costs a lot mm. of money. Do you, uh, 
I don't know. So 49 million rand, will that cover legal bills? Probably not. Probably not. How long has this thing been going on? Decade? 18 years. Two decades. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I don't think that would cover the legal costs. <laughs> So uh, there was an interesting call that uh, Vodacom executives had uh, on Friday. Um, uh, Mr. Teketo Nyoka, um, I think everyone knows him as Snakes. Nyoka, his surname means snake, I think, in Zulu. Um, he, I, I specifically asked him, I said to him, you, um, could you, might you offer more to Nkate to make this problem go away and uh, kind of ease tensions? And he said they, they're actually legally bound by the offer that they've made now uh, because this is a court-sanctioned process. They went through a deadlock-breaking process, uh, and the determination made by the Vodacom CEO is therefore final and legally binding. So even if they wanted to offer him more money, they may not do so uh, <laughs> because it's a legally binding decision. And therefore, the only, um, the only place that can overturn the amount that Vodacom has offered to Makate is the court system. So either the High Court or the Constitutional Court. So it has to go back to court if Makate, uh, if Makate wants more money. Um, hmm. no, but now, is he underwater? That's the question. Is he, how desperate is Makate? Does he need more money? Is he, is he bankrupt on this 40, assuming the 49 million rand is correct? Uh, is he, does he owe his lawyers and other people more money than Vodacom is offering him? And where does that leave him? I mean, he must be a, in a pretty desperate place, if that's the case. Mm. And who's going to who's going to bankroll his his further litigation? Yeah, and we know the corp corporations can always outplay that in that game um, when it comes to you know sustaining lawyers' bills. Yes, <laughs> they've just got deeper <laughs> pockets. Yeah, um, there is. I mean, the other, the other interesting angle, of course, is the political angle, which um, which I think is a throws a spanner in the works for Vodacom. Uh, we've seen Panyaza Lusufi, the Gauteng Basic Education MEC, going on a bit of a um, what's the what's the word? A bit of a, um, a campaign um, against Vodacom. He's been using his official Twitter account uh, to um, to severely criticise Vodacom. And of course, we saw the Communications Minister uh, just a couple of weeks ago um, responding to Lusufi on Twitter and saying, "Just shut up, Vodacom. We don't want to talk mm. to you until you've paid." Uh, you, until you've paid Makate. Um, she subsequently deleted that tweet. Um, I think she realized she probably shouldn't be tweeting stuff like that about a company um, which she is responsible for setting policy for. Um, uh, but it's election season, of course. We've got an election coming up in, what, three, four months. And uh, this is a hot-button topic. And so the politicians are jumping on the bandwagon. Um, one wonders, I've heard speculation, and I must stress I have no uh, idea whether any of this speculation is correct. It's just pure rumors in the market. Could be completely wrong, um, but there are rumors that um, Makati may have offered the ANC money um, from, this out, from the outcome of this thing. Um, again, I must stress, I don't know if there's any truth mm. to that. Uh, if there is truth to it, it's an utter scandal, um, but uh, those rumors are out there. Also, the thing is, is this is a typical small guy versus the big corporation kind of story. And so people um, like to, yeah, let's support the yeah, small guy. Yeah, people like to, and for, for, I guess, for nefarious reasons, this thing could be easily be attached to whoever's agenda, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's the problem with something that's dragging on so long. Mm. 
Oh. But as 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 with all complex stories, there's there's two sides to the story, and there's uh, well, there's multiple sides to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it would be wrong to simply trust everything that the Makati camp says, and to simply trust everything the Vodacom's camp says. Um, but it's an it's an ugly situation, and I think I think Makati is backed into a corner. Yeah, well, it, it's now down to. That bo- the last few the bills that needs to be paid, who's going to who's going to be able to do it first and mm. keep this thing going? Yeah. And what happens if it goes back to court? And will the court entertain this again? Um, you know, the court might decide that this is spurious litigation now. <sighs> yeah, I wouldn't want to be in anybody's position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, I mean, I, I kind of, I feel, I kind of feel sorry for Makati in in, in some ways. I also feel sorry for Vodacom's PR people who've had to deal with this situation. <laughs> I think they must have had a nightmare week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, you know, there's just, if you look at just the broader spectrum in many facets of South African life, there's just so much that's distracting us from the real business of just getting down and building this yeah. country and just getting down to doing a job, yes. better customer service. We always get sidetracked. Yeah, and that's that's what's delaying all these beautiful things that we could potentially have. That's what worries me about some of the politics we're seeing in this country now. There seems to be, particularly in the ruling party, there seems to be a growing anti-business sentiment, and that's very dangerous. Mm. You don't want to chase investors away, and the more you beat on that populist drum, the more you you, you uh, more senior political leaders, you know hit on and, and bash big business or business in general, um, the more capital is likely to flee. You don't want, to, especially in, the, in an economy as weak as ours and that has been in a very weak position for a long time, you can't afford to chase away capital. You need investment. You need the investors mm-hmm. on the ground. You need people feeling confident about the future of the country. And you don't do that by bashing business. Well, I mean, didn't didn't uh, Sunday Times? I didn't read the whole thing. I just read some of the headlines. But uh, Germany, UK, and USA apparently sent a letter to Ramaphosa. Yes, there were five countries, I think: Switzerland, mm. Germany, oh, yeah, yeah. Germany, France, US, and UK. Yeah, um, they did. And um, well, the Sunday Times hyped up the corruption angle, though uh, there, there were also um, concerns expressed uh, about other other things, including um, BE, I believe, and. Um, what was the other one? There was another big issue of concern for them. But yeah, interesting. It's almost unprecedented for uh, for for for, uh, for 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 large countries like this to to write a letter to the president. I don't know where the letter came from because it was meant to be confidential. I suppose these things always leak. Yeah, this isn't a very watertight ship. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good, but. You know, throughout, and uh, we are talking about the South, South African state of things, but globally too. I mean, the, the biggest problem we have is politicians and the people yes. with the power. Yes. Clearly, nobody can keep their hands to themselves, and clearly, nobody, nobody can look out for the people first and foremost. I'm not saying obviously there's a lot of good people in government, governments, um, mm. but clearly not enough because this stuff is rampant. And then we politics have, is uh, a mess. Then we have Russia pulling out of this nuclear 1983 nuclear deal. Well, it was not Russia; it's the U.S. pulling out of it. <laughs> well, the U- no, but the Russia, Russia is basically saying they they not they're they not going to be a part of it now, right? So yeah. they can build whatever they want to build. They're yeah. not nobody, so nobody can put sanctions up against them because they yeah. are experimenting with nukes. Ooh, yeah, it's a dangerous time. China, China, U.S. trade wars, which which have the potential to get very ugly indeed. China, uh, Donald Trump wanting to build a wall on the southern border. Um, 
Uh, Brexit, of course. Uh, the world is a mess right now. As long as we've got the internet, some good games, and a bit of fiber. But the problem is, once those news go off, nothing's going to work. <laughs> then we're going to have to put our, our survival skills that we've learned uh, from playing these games to, to actual use. <laughs> Man, we're in for an exciting time. What is that? What is that nuke? Uh, oh, yeah, sorry? Sorry? What was that? Nuke. Yeah, what was that nuke Fallout game? Uh, Fallout. It was called Fallout, yeah. Oh, uh, Fallout, yeah, mm, yeah. Mm. Post-world apocalyptic real-time strategy game. Yeah. Man, yeah. it's exciting times as if you have to break it down to the very basic version of what's happening. Mm. Yeah, we haven't had a world war for a very long time. Uh, one hopes that we're not going to ever have another one. But, yeah, I mean, when did World War II end? 1945. Mm. Um, well, world War One and World War Two were, were, were in quick succession. And then, and the world's been relatively peaceful since then. Um, a couple of wars like Vietnam and turbulence around the world here in southern africa and mm. hot spots and stuff but nothing of a global sort of nature um i think the yeah, well, we are getting off topic here but um <laughs> but with globalization but and technology related. and the internet and all that sort of thing and the world has become a global community and one hopes that that means that um global conflagrations are a thing of the past but you can never say never especially with uh, the current political crowd um, mm. in some of these major countries it's uh, i mean it is very time. much a digital it's very much a digital era so the war is partly and already i would argue being fought you know on the internet in a yeah. digital space i mean a lot of these rumors coming out about the US election whether they're right or wrong the fact that it's possible mm. Mm. the fact that it was possible i don't know it's it's scary times i mean this is uh, we have to be cautious i think yeah, governments are certainly playing a more and more active role in cyber. What's the word? I wouldn't say cyber crime, cyber intrusions, and and uh, um, I mean we saw things like Stuxnet, for example, which um, partially disabled the Iranian nuclear program. Um, and you can be sure that China and US and and these big countries are investing one hell of a lot of money in information security. Mm. Um, experts and hackers and all this sort of thing and they're probing systems and you can be sure all this stuff is going on we just don't see we hear about it but you can be sure that the chinese and the americans are all probing each other's systems all the time to try and get information oh yeah oh yeah i mean we know how easy it is to i mean if you if you want to target hack somebody it is difficult but it's not impossible mm. if you've got the right tools and the right people in place I mean, you can get at people via the weakest link around them. So if it's yeah. a corporation, get in through, you know, somebody with the with the, with the right access at the low lowest pay grade. You know, they usually, um, <laughs> you know, probably you can probably get away with a lot more with targeting somebody like that. Mm. Nothing is safe. Mm. Um, it's 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 scary in that regard. Mm. But what is the end game? What is the end game for these these companies, these corporations, and these governments? World domination. I mean. Do these people really want to be um, Dr. Evil sitting on a chair taking over the world? Or is it just, no, we just want to look after ourselves? Or is it, I want more money? I mean, what what is that end game? Yeah, I'm not an expert on global geopolitics, but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a worrying time. On that depressing note, <laughs> let's, take a, let, let's take a word from our commercial sponsors. We'll be back in just a moment. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. 
we're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity for business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Are you a search engine? Because you found me. I feel we have a strong connection. Well, you're pretty fly for a Wi-Fi. Should we drop it like a hotspot and head back to yours so we can show Max and snuggle? Let's get giga with it. Uh, but I don't have fiber. Don't get caught in 50 shades of delay. Broadband your horizons and switch to Vox's super fast, super reliable fiber network. Experience the momentum. Connect your world. Visit us at vox.co.za forward slash fiber. Well, welcome back to the podcast. How's it, Rechard? How's it, Duncan? I'm very happy at the moment. How are you? <laughs> the ads made you happy, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, very much. Thanks, sponsors. <laughs> so, um, interesting story about Apple this week. Uh, they flexed their muscles with Facebook and Google. Uh, I'm not quite sure exactly what they did, but there was some sort of um, permission or, or access that had been granted for internal development or testing of applications mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. campus. And... Um, Apple accused them of uh, of, of uh, distributing these apps beyond their own internal uses uh, for research purposes in the case of Facebook. I'm not sure what the case was of, of, of Google. But this had the impact of um, severely affecting um, day-to-day operations at Facebook particularly, I think less so at, at Google because they mostly run Android handsets, um, mm. but but many Apple uh, iPhone users at, at, at Facebook, and they couldn't do things like catch shuttle services or see what was um, available available in the cafeteria for lunch or work on apps that they were building on and all this sort of thing. Um, I kind of looked at this and I thought, well, this is interesting. Um, you know, even if they violated um, Apple's terms and conditions, which apparently they did, um, it, it does make you wonder um, whether Apple was simply flexing its muscles to say, and we know that they've been having a go at Facebook in particular lately. Um, mm. uh, in fact, uh, Tim Cook and, and Mark Zuckerberg have been um, having a go at each other for a while now in, in, in media interviews. Uh, Apple particularly strongly, Tim Cook, you know, attacking um, the, bus- the very business model of Facebook, um, saying that it um, you know, invades your privacy. You are the product. Um, at, at Apple, we care about your privacy, which I don't really buy. Um, but it's an interesting situation. Apple ha- has showed these companies, particularly Facebook, where the power lies. If he, if Tim Cook's message here was, um, do, do as we say, or mm. we have the power to shut you down. Yeah, this is our, this is our platform. You will, you will con- yeah. Con- uh, abide by our rules. Yeah. It's, I, I think, again, this goes back to all the stories we've been talking about. Everything is so sensitive. And I think you know people are fighting so hard for their little – bit of the pie you know although apple's got most of the pie at the moment (laughs) (laughs) but it's not a good thing um uh, whether it's a squibble between execs or the business at large or whether it's they just had enough and it does compromise you know the apple platform um with them doing this kind of stuff maybe you know we know facebook has, has not been the the best of no. had the best of good intentions no. um, for with everything that's come out. I mean, I don't know if we're going to talk about the the, the Facebook FaceTime app FaceTime app bug. Um, that just goes to show that 
you know, everything is being scrutinized so closely. Um, and while that bug was certainly an Apple issue, you know, if mm. anything comes out that is not directly resulting uh, of their negligence, but one of the companies that they've given special access to for certain, you know, for certain things, mm. um, yeah, I would, I would also feel a bit un uneasy about that. And then yeah. it becomes a power game after that, for sure. It's a power game, and I think it's I think it's also a marketing game. I think I think Apple is playing a marketing game here. I mean, we saw we've seen those adverts. We saw that that billboard that they put up outside CES in early January. Mm. Uh, I think it said what stay what 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 is this? What lives on your iPhone stays on your iPhone, or something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, which was a clear <laughs> and they put it up in Vegas in yeah, Vegas, so. right opposite uh, the CES main halls. Uh, which is very clear, clearly a marketing statement um, saying, you know, we care about your privacy. Privacy mm. is a focus. And taking a, a dig at, at companies like Google and Facebook saying that, you know, perhaps that isn't their focus. Their focus is um, selling you, selling advertising to you based on the information you supply to them, mm. um, which is their business model. Uh, but and, – and, and some people are, are – very critical of that business model, but it's also delivered free software to billions of people. Um, the question is, is, is Apple doing this out of genuine concern about its end users, or is it doing this because it's a convenient marketing platform to sell more iPhones? And I'm leaning towards the latter. Probably. I would also add on to that, maybe a point B, that should anything go wrong, because we know, I mean, if Facebook was a crisp, clean company and no, none of these issues has arise, yeah. I don't think this would have ever have been an issue. They would have just run with this. But as a result of all the things that's happening, yeah. the bad PR that could result if something goes horribly wrong, if this, you know, if this something, let's say six months down the line, the story comes out that this stuff went down because of this and Apple knew about it and they didn't do anything about it. Mm. That could, I think that could partly be the reason. Yeah. I wouldn't want that on my, uh, on my resume. Yeah. Yeah. But it's an interesting one. We'll, um, we'll see where, where this goes because I, I, I have a strong suspicion that, um, Apple's marketing efforts in this regard are far from done. Um, mm. but yeah, no, I mean, there's no <laughs> Facebook really messed up last year. Especially with the Cambridge Analytica thing, mm. Um, mm. but I don't, I don't necessarily trust Apple, Apple's marketing. I, I think this is more marketing than it is genuine concern for their customers. Maybe it's both. Let's be, let's be. Uh, um, well, let's err on what. The, where, where's the money going? Let's it's be definitely. let's be generous. You know, this helps their customers, sure, um, because they're being tough on privacy. Um, they're being tough on their terms and conditions, and if someone's violating them, they're being tough on that company, even if it's a major company like Facebook. But at the same, by the same token, they're also they're also getting great marketing mileage out of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, always people talking about it. Be the hashtag, right? Yeah. So uh, Spotify is reportedly buying a podcasting company. Um, we're on Spotify. We want one of the first podcasts on there, actually. Yeah. Uh, and. Um, must say we don't see a huge amount of traffic from it. Um, it it's they've been very sort of softly, softly in their approach to launching it. Um, they they seem to be done doing it right though. I've had to uh, communicate with them a couple of times mm. now, and they've um, always been very helpful and and quick. And um, so they've got teams behind behind their podcasting platform. But it it almost feels like that it's lacking something, and that, that they need to really push it forward. So now they're in negotiations to buy a podcasting company. What podcasting company is it, Rahad? You've had a look at the story. 
Okay, so it's called Gimlet Media, um, and uh, I mean, apart from knowing it's a pretty slick podcasting network um, that's obviously predominantly in the U.S. Um, for, yeah, it's in the U.S. from what I can see. Um, let me just double check. Yeah, in the based in New York. Um, so it makes a lot of sense if, I mean, clearly we know podcasting is on the app. Um, we see a massive uptake on it, and Spotify obviously knows this. Um, I'm not sure why we, I don't, I don't really ever get pushed podcast stories. I mean, that's quite interesting. So obviously they are working on um, uh, enhancing this experience. But mm. the interesting thing is, and this is why they are, it's not just, so, so Gimlet isn't, um, just a podcasting network. They're also doing um, some video production-based things. Now, this is fitting in very nicely with um, Spotify last year launched something called Spotlight, which is going to enable them or enables them to do podcasts with visual elements, so photographs and video clips, etc., etc. So clearly, the thinking there is to enhance your. Because at the moment, if you think about it, if you're listening to music, some of the some of the most popular music uh, titles comes up with additional information on screen, which is actually very interesting. Um, you know, either information about the lyrics or about the artist, etc., etc. Or so visuals, combine, which I've seen as or well. Visuals, yeah, mm. yeah. So combine this with a podcast like this, for example, where we can throw out links, throw up links, video clips, what we're talking about. Um, I can see, I can see a lot of benefit in that and if you've got one of the biggest um, streaming platforms mm. um, you know this is definitely the way to do it and podcasting like I said is without a doubt it's, it's on the app I'd like to see them what I'd like to see um, Spotify do is to is to surface podcasts more than they do at the moment I mean they're, they're fantastic yeah, yeah. At, at helping you surface new music they've got the made for you section um, where, where, it's, where they have the new release, uh, your release radar, I think it's called, which shows you new albums that have come yeah. out that have, will be of interest to you. That's very, very cool for discovering new music. Um, it also offers you a mu uh, the latest tracks or tra just tracks. Um, I think what is it called? Discover Weekly. Uh, mm -hmm. That that um, surfaces music you might be interested in. I've learned, discovered so much more music that way. Now, if they could use those same sort of algorithms that they use there to surface new podcasts, now that would be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's also, I mean, I'm just looking, pop uh, open Spotify, just looking at the, the podcast section. And uh, I mean, it is it is a nice light and it's as good as the music section. But I think it can be improved in the way you discover stuff because mm. nothing yet jumps out at me really as something that I should be um, consuming. Yeah. Um, and I don't see any South African stuff popping up at first. So whether there is any other local content on there, I guess that's... Also debatable, but um, that's why th that's why this uh, uh, you know this very expensive acquisition mm. uh, could put, could be a very good play for them if they can combine these elements. Look at what Netflix is doing with their own productions, right? They yeah. now Netflix Originals. Now you're in a position where where Spotify can say, okay, we've got the platform, we can produce content. We're going to have we other we other we're going to you know obviously invite people to do their own produce their own whatever what slide content video podcasts mm. um but we'll also produce and support um a strong set and really build this because yep. we are the audio guys netflix is the video guys you know we want to we want to own this domain yeah i don't even know what what is apple doing in this space i don't think i mean apart from apple music you know the podcast section and the way you discover it they're not i don't think they're doing anything visual no yeah i don't use itunes anymore so i don't know <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, we love you, Spotify. It's such a great <laughs> platform. But I think this is going to be great. Uh, and, and I'm very excited to see how this visual element, visual side of it works uh, yeah. with Spotlight. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I, I do love watching watching a lot of the podcasts because a lot of the, the podcasts that I watch actually have video version where the guys actually record video and then they put that audio track onto a yeah. podcast. Can you imagine so what happened if, both. Can you imagine what ha- would have happened to me if I was watching the video version of the Joe Rogan podcast while I was trying On your smartphone or on yes. your smartwatch. <laughs> no, that's why you need Google Glass, actually. That could have worked. Oh, I'd, be, I'd probably be dead right now. Uh, <laughs> fallen off a cliff somewhere <laughs> so um, our last uh, news item this week just briefly uh record you've had a look at this i haven't looked at this at all hacker groups may have stolen a billion dollars in cryptocurrency uh, these headlines seem to appear uh, once every couple of months well this this kind of just sheds new light on these things um analytics blockchain analytics from a company called chain analysis um indicate or yeah, indicate that two there's basically two groups that have been identified and, and they've been tracking transactions because obviously you can't identify specific people but you can track where these ashes are going to mm. they've identified and they've called them alpha and beta two groups that are that have said to have stole or, or yeah, stolen or hacked 60 percent of all the cryptocurrency hacks to date so oh wow so they were responsible for about a billion dollars worth of cryptocurrency and most of the hacks. So this is over a long period of time. Over a long period of time. And yeah, yeah. I mean, so they've obviously been dominating very clear intention behind what they were trying to do. Um, causing to question a little bit about, you know, the security, I guess, or, or, or the future potential security of um, the blockchain in that there's no real accountability at the back end. I mean, once the stuff gets hacked, mm. because you can't track where it goes, I mean, it's, it's a deep pit, right? Mm. So it, it's used for a lot of great things. And I'm not, I'm not um, discrediting blockchain at all. I think it's fantastic. But these kind of things need to be addressed, I guess. Um, hacking in general, but two groups f- responsible for most of, uh, most of that is a bit worrying. Because yeah. they've been getting away for it for a very long time. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still invested in Bitcoin, I must say, but I've, I've stopped looking at the price. It's too depressing. <laughs> too depressing. Um, I actually think I looked at Bitcoin price two weeks ago. It's, it's, um, it's, uh, I can't do it anymore. I'm just leaving my money. It certainly, it certainly lost a bit of, again, lost a bit of the shine. I don't, nobody's talking about, about it as yeah. enthusiastically anymore. Yeah. Um, but just one interesting little uh, thing to note from the story is these guys, when they kind of when they got access to the the wallets, um, transferring the money to cover their tracks, they transferred an average of five thousand times before eventually cashing it out. Jeez. Each hack, each transaction. So this isn't a minor operation where I'm getting access to your wallet, transferring it out. Boom, I'm done. I've got your money. Yeah. It was a little bit more complex than that. Um, mm. And these guys. You know, it, it, I guess if there's rules, but if these systems are based on rules, those rules can be broken. You know, if I can mm. quote the very famous <laughs> Matrix, uh, uh, Matrix BV quote, um, we need to look at these things. It's a bit scary. Yeah. On that note, that's our uh, that's our news this week. Uh, I uh, we don't have a winner and loser this week, mainly because I uh, fell on my face and uh, didn't have time to come up with. <laughs> Your face is a loser. <laughs> <laughs> my, my body's the loser today. Uh, and Joe Rogan podcast is the winner. 
<laughs> Damn you, Joe Rogan. Uh, <laughs> I also don't have a pick this week, so no pressure, Rechart. It's all on you. Oh, well, I've got a pretty good one, a pretty good pick. So two weeks ago, um, NVIDIA announced um, with a driver update that they're going to do this. They're going to enable FreeSync, which uh, I don't know. You know that you know G-Sync and FreeSync. Um, it's essentially adaptive rate uh, refresh technology for gamers, mm-hmm. which just gives a much better experience, which means your, 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 your screen and your graphics card basically keep, up to the, uh, keep in sync with each other, and it just creates a much smoother experience. Um, now, G-Sync monitors are very expensive. FreeSync monitors, which is an open source standard and only up to, to now was supported by AMD technology, um, is now also supported by NVIDIA. And some screen models uh, with FreeSync um, support is now, you know, obviously you can use them on NVIDIA graphics card, which is great news. So yeah. I've been using and playing with an Alienware monitor. I'm just, uh, actually didn't get the model number, but they've only got two. They've got a G-Sync model and they've got... Uh, this FreeSync model, and I was and I was very impressed with the gaming performance um, of this thing with with uh, the FreeSync enabled. Um, it's not doesn't work well on all monitors, um, and you need to do a little bit of tweaking on it. There's, there's some good tutorials online. On all graphics um, cards, you mean? Uh, well, on all NVIDIA graphics cards, yeah. So okay. getting it working on non so so NVIDIA has approved or going to approve certain models. Like this is an officially stamped approved NVIDIA FreeSync supported monitor. For all the others, some of them would work. If you enable it, um, you might get some tearing on screen or some 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 okay. black frames being thrown in because it can't really handle it. So, but you can tweak it. So if, as long as you've got a FreeSync monitor, you should be able to get get some benefit from this. But obviously, some monitors just flat out wouldn't work. So, so what is just, it? I mean, I haven't seen one of these. So what does it look like when you're actually playing a game? What's what's different? Well, it's a lot smoother. So with gaming, higher frame rate is obviously better because it refreshes the screen a lot mm. faster. So the picture appears a lot smoother. Um, obviously, it's, there is a lot of preference involved here too. If it's too high a frame rate, like, uh, you know, it, it, could, it doesn't look nice on everybody's eye. But, you know, for most, you want over 100 FPS and you'll have a relatively good experience. With with this technology, it's your, your, your graphics cards can push out a lot more frames. Mm-hmm. Um, but in certain scenes within a game, you don't necessarily need 200 frames all the time. But your monitor might still be pushing out the, those amount of frames. So now your card is using performance, uh, so there's performance impacts and that kind of thing. Um, so this is just basically syncing up the refresh rate on your monitor with what your graphics card is pushing out in, a, in, in layman's terms. Okay, I don't so think this, I really this, understand it. But is this, <laughs> so has this got to do with, I know we've seen these, these gaming monitors coming out at 144 hertz refresh versus the traditional 60 hertz that you have on a desktop monitor. Is, is this a different technology to that? Yeah, so this, so those are all essentially, yeah. So this basically is a step up from that. Uh, it's okay. really just taking the technology in a new direction and saying, okay, um, you know, we are going to, I'm going to talk to the monitor and I'm going to make sure that your performance is always going to be optimal. Okay, it's not always going to be 144 frames a second, but your performance is going to be optimal based on what you're seeing on screen. Um, and it's just creating a, a much a smoother. Um, Smoother game experience. Okay, um, it's well worth checking checking it out. Uh, I'm sure. I'm not sure about your massive monitor you've got there, Duncan. Let's <laughs> check if it's if it's. I don't think it's FreeSync. I doubt it. Um, it's it's a very specific. Uh, um, it's a very specific. What's it? Specification on right. the monitor. Right. Um, but this one, this is the Alienware uh, 25 inches. It's got a weird number. AW 2518HF. Uh, like I said, they've got two versions. This is one is going for about six and a half, and then the G-Sync version is 
quite a bit more expensive. I think that's just under ten grand. Um, for so a you can see the price difference for a twenty-five inch. That's mice, expensive, yeah. sure. But uh, this Alienware is absolutely beautiful. It's got a very nice, slick, uh, what's it, modern-looking base and height-adjustable monitor. So when I'm sitting like I'm doing now, I've got my notebook open in front of me. I raise the notebook, uh, the monitor up, so mm-hmm. it's a bit higher. And when I'm closing as I'm playing games, I can um, just drop it down a bit. Uh, it's a really beautiful monitor. So that's my pick for this week: the Alien 25-inch 240 hertz gaming monitor. 240 hertz. Yeah, that's a lot of oh my word. Hertz's, I think I'm going to have to pop around and have a look at this thing, Richard. You've intrigued me. With yeah, this. unfortunately, it's going back this week, so you may. But you should get them to send it to you for a review. It's, it's definitely worth checking out. Cool. Maybe I'll do that. And uh, I think that's our show. Um, given that we don't have a winner and a loser and I don't have a pick, I'll be back with one next week. <laughs> uh, but uh, before we do our, our song pick this week, let's, um, let's do this week's quiz. Uh, the first question was, how much did Vodacom offer Kwasana Makate according to his former litigation funder? And that was 49 million rand. Second question, MTN this week chopped out of bundle ad hoc data prices to what per megabyte? And the answer is 29 cents. That's pretty good, actually. Um, which state and company failed to pay its employees on time this week, blaming a bank glitch for the problem? And that's the SABC. Mm, yeah, that's a sad, sad situation for all those employees. So. Fourth question, allegations of misconduct at ESCOM, which emerged this week and which were later refuted, caused the shares of which JSC-listed technology company to tumble? And the answer is EOH. And the last question in this week's quiz, Apple this week said it would, uh, it could cut the price of iPhones in some markets outside the U.S. Why did it say it was doing this? And the answer, strength of the U.S. dollar relative to some of these currencies. Uh, it's a nice uh, thing to blame. Uh, perhaps they should be blaming the fact that their phones are too expensive, but uh, we'll leave that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a nice way to say that our stuff is just too expensive. We need to drop the price because nobody can afford it. <laughs> Especially in emerging markets. <laughs> Um, and that's our show. Um, as always, you can WhatsApp the show 071-999-1111. And we're playing out with uh, a song pick from Recha today, which I've lined up here. Uh, big fan of this band, actually, Wings, Paul McCartney and Wings. Mm. Um, uh, this is off their Band on the Run album. Uh, we're thinking uh, yeah, I think so. Everyone knows that song. Um, I'm not sure I know this one. I'll have to play it before I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's no, a great song. What made you pick that's it this week? Song. Um, I don't know. It's just always been on my playlist, and I love it. It's, uh, it's, Whoops, I, mean, I started I'm, playing. I, I, don't, I, <laughs> I don't listen to too many Paul McCartney. I'm obviously a Beatles fan, but yeah. uh, I don't listen to many Paul McCartney Wings um, uh, albums. I, I can't remember why I heard this, um, but I love two Shazam tracks whenever I hear it. Yeah. When I'm out and about, stuff to remind me or stuff that you know, just I hear for the first time. And this was one of those things that just popped up. Never heard the song. Went like, whoa, this is interesting. Who yeah. sings it? And uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoy it. And I'm sure... It's a great song for a Sunday afternoon. Fantastic. So this is Jet by Paul McCartney and Wings. Until next time, from Rechel and myself, cheers. Cheers.